much repent. Greetings, it is I, the Count. The Count. They call me the Count because I love to count things. In fact, I am looking for some things to count right now. You can be all sensible and organized together and make lots of lists. Make, 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 make lists. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and for you, we've got the unrepentant list man. This week, we're changing things up a little bit. Uh, we've just spent the last several minutes to an hour talking about zombies. We'll take a little break. And what we're going to talk about right now is my top 10 guilty pleasure movies. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right, let's do it. Uh, at number 10, I have the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Bachman slash Stephen King classic, The Running Man. What do you think about that? Wait, did you say Stephen King? Uh, Stephen King was the writer under the eponym Richard Bachman. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Holy crap. How have you, how have you not realized that after, what, like 30 years now? <laughs> I just paid attention to the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, you, you apparently like that. Uh, any particular aspects of that film that you enjoy? Well, I don't know. How old, how old were we? I mean, at... It, I think it came out in 88. Is 87? Okay, yeah. so we were uh, 10, 9. We're pretty young. I mean, with that the, cheesy it, uh, the, the cheesy puns, the gory action. Oh, it, it hands down has some of the best and most memorable Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners. Yeah. I mean, that's what the, I, I'll be back. I mean, there's not, I mean, it comes, it's in Terminator, but it's in that one too, isn't it? Yes. And uh, that's where the hello cutie pie that I like to use came from. Um, <laughs> it also, uh, shit, let me pick. Um, uh, where's Buds? Where's Budsaw? He had to split. You know, where he runs oh the chainsaw between the guys. They're legs. all, but there are a bunch of them like that. Anyway, uh, yeah. as far as one liners go, it, it's, it's, it's definitely classic. And uh, that, that's why it makes it. Here's Sub Zero, now just plain zero. <laughs> Hey, lightning head. Hey, Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. Number nine. Are you ready for this? Yes. Equilibrium. I realize it's a complete ripoff of a variety of stories, including Fahrenheit 451 and Aldous Huxley's A Brave New World. Uh, it's a bit of a mashup in that uh, art, literature, is against the law, and they also have to take a drug similar to the Soma in A Brave New World to suppress them, their urges, their emotions, what have you. And re uh, remember, this came out in the wake of The Matrix, so it definitely has that Matrix-esque thing going on and remember, as far as the action is concerned. Remember, even they had the covers over the windows, so they would light, let light in, but they couldn't see out of them because they wouldn't, didn't want the stimulation. I do, and yeah, they didn't want. They did not want the inspiration. And they had that uh, really relevant is that really weird, like gun kata, you know, oh, gun form. Yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it gets a lot of shit. I mean, if you look at the uh, the Metacritic Rotten Tomatoes, like it's pretty much split. Uh, in fact, I think it's more negative than positive. Oh, I'm but, sure. You know I'm what? sure it wasn't those people. Cup of tea. Obviously, have no respect for what that movie was and you know it's a ripoff it really is but it was just trying to do something different and uh you know what 
I'd probably rather watch that than a lot of these other movies. Well, yeah, it is a seven, that are similar. It has a seven point six on IMDb, so we're not alone. No, we're not. No, but seven point six. I, I guess good. the critical, yeah, the critical masses are uh, not quite for us. Well, they All hated, right, number they eight, Bill and Ted's too. So fuck them. Oh, <laughs> idiots! <laughs> number eight. Wait, I didn't even put that on this list, Bill and Ted's, because everybody knows it's awesome. Like, that is not a guilty pleasure. That's true. I I don't feel any remorse for that one. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, number eight, Team America World, please. You still need, Uh, uh, you've been been teasing me with this for years. Oh, man, it's good. uh, You need to watch it sometime. All right, cool. I would say it's good. Okay, like, that. that's where we need to uh, draw a line. It's not good. But it's important, okay? Uh, obviously, this is the uh, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, the uh, South Park guys talking about uh, even before the interview, uh, how the Americans were going to try to take out the leader of North Korea, which was Kim Jong Un's father. Kim Jong. Uh, it's Il? also Kim Jong Il. Correct. Yes. This is before the interview made the headlines and world leaders shit themselves. Uh, we had Matt Stone, Trey Parker doing the same sort of thing, I guess, before it was uh, uh, a national crisis yeah. in that they were trying to uh, go after the North Korean leader. And you know what else? It was musical. And what I actually <sighs> the movie's not very good and it's made with puppets and it's meant to be terrible. That's the one thing I don't think people understand is it's not meant to be taken seriously. But I'm still going to make I'm still going to make you watch it with me. All right. Well, it it has it's so highly quotable <laughs> and uh we got the whole America thing. I I believe that sort of entered the pop culture. America. Fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they we we've got that going on and uh <laughs> I'm so ronery, oh so ronery, oh so ronery, and uh, the the metaphor speech towards the end about the uh, dicks, pussies, and assholes is, uh, it's highly off color, as you might surmise, however. I don't know if I've heard that also, one. No, 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 it, it's, it's very moving, and it's one of the, it's some of the most vulgar wisdom in the history of humanity, but it's pretty much spot on. Anyway, let's go ahead and go to number seven. I introduced, I introduced you to this movie. You you did. Uh, you didn't know anything about it. You were just like, hey, let's watch this. It's yeah. uh, Knights of Badassdom. And the is movie badass. starring Steve Zahn, Peter Dinklage, and uh, it's about a couple, a couple, it's about three LARPers. <laughs> That's right, live-action role-players who are attending a weekend LARP, and uh, when one of their members' magic spell, this is Steve Zahn's character, uh, he actually, he accidentally invokes a real, true-to-life demon uh, and calls it forth, and it starts just killing people. But uh, we also, we can't forget, <clears throat> we can't forget the plus one acid protection. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's got so many great lines. Like I, yeah, um, this movie God, was, was very much um, released under the radar, and I, I feel like, uh, especially for the geek nerd community, it has not quite hit the stride that I thought that it would, and it makes me a little sad. But the ass I'm talking about is Summer Glows, and it is 
It is, oh, it is, oh, it is glorious. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> but I love everything with Peter Dinklage in it. He's just he's an oh, amazing course. actor. And yeah, he, he plays this like a uh, stoner. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the only thing where you really stoner geek, <laughs> and he is absolutely amazing in this movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, he definitely. Stick around to the end; that makes it worth it. I can't, I'm not going to say too much about it. If you but haven't, just to say, if you haven't seen it, you really should. And I don't yeah, know what the fuck is up. Short. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people. It only has a 5.7 on IMDb. Uh, obviously, that means a lot of people are stupid. That's, well, yeah, that's considering considering, I think it's a better movie than Equilibrium. And Equilibrium. it even has a great soundtrack. I mean, I actually went out and bought this or downloaded from Amazon. Oh, and the, the Knights of Badassdom soundtrack. What's uh? What did you say? The guy's name is Steven Zahn. Steve Zahn, right? Right. Um, he sings at the end. The name I was looking for was Ryan Quentin. He plays Jason from True Blood. Uh, yes, yes. There, there, there are plenty of surprises. In fact, <laughs> uh, one of the last scenes of this movie is my was uh, up until I guess a week or two ago. My the desktop uh, <laughs> on my computer. And he's, I'm actually he, he, he sings really well. Uh, indeed, indeed. All right, let's keep going here. Number six, <laughs> the Monster Squad. Yes. <laughs> uh, 80s we watched camp this. classic. It was it was uh, reverential to the Universal monsters of the uh, what fifties. Yeah, I wasn't alive back then, so I think it's the fifties. Yeah, you know the uh, Bella Lugosi and uh, Lon Chaney type monster films you have the creature from the black lagoon you have dracula the werewolf the mummy and i guess that's boris karloff too anyway yeah. how, uh how many times do you think we watched this together as kids this movie was formative i believe for <laughs> both of us uh although i don't think we called ourselves the monster squad we already had some sort of monster club like this before yes. the movie came out yes. Uh, and then once the commercials hit, we're like, holy fuck, it's a movie about us! <laughs> uh, of course, I probably did say holy fuck, but yeah, yeah something akin to that. Uh, anyway, Wait, uh, it's... Didn't this have Steven Dorff in it? Steven Dorff? As a kid? I don't. Or am I wrong? I don't think so. Okay. Sorry about that. I was thinking of Steven Dorff in the movie The Gate. I must, I must be yeah, thinking I of a think different... So. I must be thinking about oh, it. And, and I lo- like it has several little clever things going on for it. Uh, you know, Frankenstein turns out to be a good guy. Yeah. And you know, it uh I, the the old German guy who was a concentration camp survivor. Yeah, he was, was good. Just, uh, this is so subtle like I did not understand it when I was a kid. But I think when I, he first think I asked meets my the parents. boys. I think I asked my parents. Yeah, when he first met the boys, he invited them in for pie. Even that whole scene is is brilliant. It very much, uh, you know, harkens to the Goonies, which might be one of the, mo- the reasons why I like it so much. One of the but, things they did is they did a callback to the original. Remember when uh, Frankenstein um, walks up on that little girl and he ends up throwing her in the yeah, river and drowning right, her? right, right, right. You're like, right. oh, shit, is that going to happen again? Yeah, well, it's going to happen. Yeah, happen it was again, all but... very purposeful. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, no, like, like when the uh, German guy shuts the door... And it's, he's saying something, but like, uh, you know, I do know a little bit about monsters, and he doesn't explain yes. this to the children. Yes. All you see is that serial number tattooed on his wrist. You're like, 
Oh shit! This guy, that, this guy that, is concentration camp survivor. That, that was he, so he knows well monsters. Done. That was so well absolutely. Done. And and that's the thing. Like uh, when you know Spielberg did Schindler's List, he was afraid to go back to the whole camp, not you know the campy Nazis of Indiana Jones, and because you know the, those guys are the real thing. They're monsters. Well, this was a way of you know saying okay, we acknowledge the fact that the Nazis. You know, hands down, they're the real monsters. It was uh, so. This is more like. Yeah, it was so bad that um, a lot of the the soldiers on the front thought it was the typical propaganda, you know, stuff. They didn't, you know, oh yeah, that stuff they're oh, telling us that's not yeah. really happening. That can't be happening. There's no way. And yeah, they lie, sir. They lied. All right, so let's go ahead and go to the next one then. Number five. Okay. In the mouth of madness, I have to get Sam Neill even has the legendary Charlton Heston in uh, for a small role. Uh, it's very much a Cthulhu ripoff, but seeing as how we've yet to this day, uh, we've not had any sort of decent Cthulhu movie. I've seen a couple low budget, low budget ones on Netflix, and oh, oh god, they're terrible. But there's you know. <laughs> There is no reason why Cthulhu should not be dominating cinemas and as far as the spooks go. Because in the, the, Japanese, Madness, it, the Japanese haven't done a Cthulhu movie yet. It's a giant sea uh, monster, right? Uh, we That's not a Cthulhu movie, Oh, Jeffrey. Okay, I'm screwing up then. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, but I have to say, you know, you mentioned Charlton Heston. Guns don't kill people. Apes with guns kill people. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah anyway uh it, it's i guess i'm not saying that i love horror movies with with terrible endings or well tragic endings but the uh movie ends in such a mind-blowing way that it is memorable for many many years anyway uh number four 2010 the year we made contact Wait, I don't remember making contact. Well, it's not. Oh, <laughs> it's not because <laughs> we're in 2015, and it's not happened. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> All right, so this this is back. Uh, this is definitely another 80s movie, and it's one. Of the, it's one of the first science fiction movies I remember actually going to see in the movie theater. Uh, and even back then, though, although there were a lot of things that were obviously above my my understanding. Uh, I did get a lot of it, and I, and I fucking loved this movie back then. Uh, it definitely steered me towards the genre even more than, like, Star Wars already had. But this was much more realistic, at least to me, you know, being, what, seven, eight years old back then when I saw this. It, you know, the, the Star Child thing from 2001, which I hadn't even seen yet uh, by that point, and the monolith and, the you know, the fact that by the end of the movie we have some sort of... Uh, second sun being created from Jupiter and yeah, yeah. Leave Europa alone. But it is also interesting to see that even in the news this past couple of weeks, uh, talking about Ganymede possibly having life, Europa possibly having life, Titan. Enceladus. Which if you've actually read the... Not, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enceladus. They think, the, they think Enceladus has um, geothermal vents at the bottom of the oceans there. And... Some, oh, yeah, people, yeah. some people suspect that the geothermal vents are what gave rise to life on Earth. So, right. 
good possibility. So, yeah, but anyway, in the, the actual 2001 novel, the original by Arthur C. Clarke, uh, it's actually Saturn, not Jupiter, that is the star of the show. Oh, really? So, but they, yeah, yeah, they actually end up switching it for the film, but um, it's just interesting to see that both planets offer the solar system's greater prospects for life, and we're still talking about it. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke proves to be a prophet on so many men- so many levels. I used to love uh, his anyway. um, um, Arthur C. Clarke's. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was like like uh, mysteries and you know you know you know of the past type show and science and uh, I can't remember. Oh, the TV called. show. Yeah, the TV show. What was I, that? Called? I don't think I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, really? You should check really? it out. It was pretty good. It's kind of like In Search really? of, but really? different. Okay, I have no idea. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> though. Uh, anyway, uh, speaking of Arthur C. Clarke, that, that should be a list for another another day. But I'm really looking forward to uh, a child to his novel Childhood Den being made into a film, which apparently is happening. Cool. Anyway, let's go ahead and go to number three. Number three. Are you ready? Yes. The Thirteenth Warrior. <laughs> Antonio Bandera, Banderas stars in a film that, uh, that according to the uh, the mythology of this movie, it actually stood, uh, like, sat in the can, so to speak, for several years before it was even released. Oh, really? Uh, because people just weren't quite sure what to do with it. And, it's, and, you know, it's a Michael Crichton novel called Eaters of the Dead, which I did read after watching Thirteen, The Thirteenth Warrior. Based on, uh, it was, based it was, on true events, it was, supposedly. It, yeah, that's one of those things that I think we're talking about where it's definitely not true. But they want to think you know they want you to think that it's true. Ibn Fadlan <laughs> was a real uh, Arabian observer of these sort of things. But the story is actually Beowulf. Uh, yeah, Crichton yeah, kind of said that it was it was meant to. Well, they even the character from the the movie to the novel is the the uh, the chieftain. If you recall in the movie, do you remember his name? Um. Oh damn. It's been a while. Baliwuf, Baliwuf. Yeah, Bulbai. Yeah, yes. Yeah, but it's it's meant to be Beowulf, and if you think about it, uh, it really matches up pretty well. Uh, of course, we're talking less about the uh, the Grendel story, uh, more towards the actual epic saga, the epic poem Beowulf, where the older Beowulf fights the dragon, and then you know the the climax of the movie. They have the fireworm coming towards the village. Yeah, I like uh, so I like that when the when the, he gives it's just like uh, hundreds of cavalry with with torches, and the guy says, "I think I rather prefer the dragon." <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So anyway, yeah, it's you know, like it sat in like uh, in limbo for so long, and then they finally released it, and there were some plot devices that they try to account for. Uh, a little too cheaply, like how he picks up on you know, the language or whatever. In the novel, he's just speaking Latin to one of the guys, and that's pretty much it throughout the movie. Ah. Uh, there, are, there are some other things that tie in uh, with the, the novel really well. But anyway, I always thought it was a very understated movie. Yes, and absolutely. And uh, when, it, uh, you know, when it comes on cable, I watch it. Hell yeah. I watch it. That's, it's guilty pleasure. All right, number two. All right. I have no remorse for admitting this at all. <laughs> Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. That's it's been right. So the long f- since I've seen that. The fourth 
film and the classic ape series. You have Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and then you have Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And, of course, the very last one was the Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which was not very good at all. But I have so much love for the Conquest of the Planet of the Apes because uh, it, it definitely, you could see where the reboot got some of its ideas from. Yeah. Uh, human beings are a bit of bastards in the Rise of the Planet of the Apes movie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that comes, well, Escape actually started some of that. But human beings were definitely redeemable. By the time you get to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, there are very few humans <laughs> that are redeemable. This is the uh, one where there'd been that kind of plague on... You know, where the cats and dogs were the, spreading the world's the plague pla- Yeah, the world's pets all died off in 1995. I remember thinking in 1995 that that might actually happen. <laughs> uh, and then we're gonna, we're, I was excited because maybe we can get some chimpanzees. As and so they, so they started keeping chimpanzees as pets, which we found out from that, that one lady what was up out in the East Coast that that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. Chimp- the real bastards are chimpanzees. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think um, I think the gorillas is probably a little bit more uh, uh, realistic, uh, but chimpanzees will f- fuck up your shit, man. Yeah, they'll rip uh, your not, hands. Not to mention throwing shit at you, you, right? Well, they like say what? They're they're kind of their go moves is to rip your hands and feet and your genitalia off. Yeah, let's. I don't want to pet pet chimp. No anymore. <laughs> uh, I remember, you know, like uh, was a bubbles. Michael Jackson's chimp even had to get put. Somewhere else because he was too much to handle. Well, he got tired uh, of so all, anyway, you know, all the Michael's sexual advances. Oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, I think it just got hot in here. Some, <laughs> some, some, something just happened. Where there was some burning. I don't know. Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, my number one, Saving Silverman. And I cannot tell you how often I watch this movie. You introduced me to this one, too. Yeah, I watched it in the movie theater way back when. I absolutely adored it then. And then when the DVD was was released, I bought the unrated version, or the rated R version, rather, uh, because it was released PG-13. And the the rated R version made the movie hell of a lot better anyway. So a lot of you guys who have seen this movie probably watched the PG-13 They cut out the yoga scene in the theater. Uh, They cut out... The yoga scene. Uh, there's there's this whole sequence where Jack Black is teaching these guys how to make subs at Subway, and like it comes off as really stupid. Part of me who you know sees and frequents these kind of establishments has to wonder though, uh, are these people really that stupid? I mean, you have one guy like making a sandwich, and he's like, "Oh, the meat goes in the bread," because like all the meat's like on top of it. Uh, yeah, and he's like. Okay, we got three three uh three sizes of bevies. What do we got? Small, medium, and big. Yeah, like it's just funny. And then there's the uh oh, there's 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 several other parts that are added in that uh, add to the hilarity. But you know what? I'm I'm gonna out myself a little bit here. I happen to have like this old school uh fixation on Neil Diamond as well. So him being in that movie just adds to the hilarity. Uh you've got highly quotable uh, dialogue between the characters. You have Star Wars references. I mean, it's absolutely inane. It's a stupid movie, but it's stupid awesome. 
So, yeah, the subway scene where, you know, uh, Jack Black is trying to uh, quiz his trainees on the uh, three beverage sizes offered by Subway, small, medium, and, and his guys can't get it. And he ends up uh, being thrown out on the street. And uh, la- later on, he talks about uh, going to work the next day. And, you know, it doesn't really make any sense because he thinks he's unemployed at this point. But he wants to wear the mascot. Uh, for casual Fridays. Do you remember this part? I think so, yeah. Uh, anyway, there's just all sorts of stupid parts in this movie that, when you add them up, are much greater than the sum of the whole. Uh, of course, the Neil Diamond thing is also hilarious. Uh, not to say that I have the same level of fixation, but you know what? I do have a healthy respect for some Neil. And Amanda uh, Pete. Beating the shit and out Amanda of Amanda Pete. Oh yes, beating the shit out of Jack Black and Jason, or and uh, wait, who does he? What's the 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 guy? I know there's Jason Biggs is the dude from American Pie, um, and Jack Black. Oh, oh J- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. J- is that the uh, guy? Jason uh, Biggs? Yeah, Steven Zahn. Is that the guy's Steve name? Steve Zahn again? Yes, that's our second Steve Zahn movie here. Really. Ah, oh, man, I'm confused. Steve Zahn is the, uh, oh, that, I was wondering what you're talking about when we're talking about Knights of Badassdom. No, that's Steve Zahn, the one who's trying to, to uh, do the yoga to suck his own penis. Yes. Okay, yeah, because... Cow- Cowboy she, Wayne was the character there. Yeah, she she's beating the shit out of Steve Zahn and Jack Black in parts of the movies, and it's hilarious. Oh, that's, yeah. There, there, yeah, there, there's so much wrong and so much right about that movie. And all the wrong is right of that movie. Anyway, that wraps it up, guys. So thank you for listening to the Unrepentant List Man. I make no apologies. <laughs> repent! I will not repent. Greetings. It is I, the Count. The Count. They call me the Count because I love to count things. In fact, I am looking for some things to count right now. You can be all sensible and organized together and make lots of lists. Make, 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 make lists. Sip advice is sound advice. This is Lord Vader. How can I help you? You're jealous of me, 667 writes. Dear Lord Vader, my girlfriend left me because she found six terabytes of pornography on external hard drives. I tried to explain to her that pornography was like a fine wine, and these hard drives are more like wine cellars. Instead, she smashed them, and she left me. She even took my grandmother's locket. So my question is, how much porn is too much porn? Thank you for listening, Lord Vader. You jealous of me, 667? Let us first address your missing locket. You have two options. You might file a police report, or force Choker into returning your property. If you lack the requisite skills, however, you should file the police report. As for how much pornography is too much pornography, 
if your male member has not in fact been melted off by the cozy lava fires of Mustafa, then too much porn is when your male member feels like it might be melting off due to the cozy warm lava fires of Mustafa. In other words, watch for chafing. And find a girl who not only understands your interests, but one in which you can enjoy your hard drives together. <laughs> hard drives, that's a double entendre. This is the Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Vader. Thanks for listening, and remember, the dark side not only has cookies, we also have caring. Oh.